So five things that God has blessed you to do. And we've talked about this, and we've talked about uh, doing and being, being and doing. Doing something never creates being. We've talked about this. I'm not going to go a long, a long time into this, but I, I, you've got to understand this as a foundation. That doing never creates being. Being always creates doing. Being is the foundation. If you ever do something, if you're ever attempting to do something long term that is outside the scope of who you believe yourself to be or who you really are, then you are setting yourself up for failure. If your doing is above your being or bigger than your being, you are setting yourself up for failure and you will sabotage the very success you're trying to go after because that's not who you really are. You're trying to be somebody you're not. Or even if it's who God has made you to be, but you don't believe it's who God has made you to be. So you can have a being created by God and, and, and knowing that, that God has made you, uh, given you a capacity and ability, but if you don't believe it's who God made you to be, then when you're doing goes beyond your belief of who you are and your being, you're going to sabotage yourself and it's going to fall. So what has to happen is we've got to come to know who he is. We've got to be disciples of Christ who know who he is and therefore know who we are in him. And when we know who he is and we know who we are in him, then who he's created us to be, our doing will flow out of that. And we don't have to be, we don't have to worry about the lies of the enemy because we know who we are, because we know who he is. And who we are is in him. Who we are is in him. It's, it's, it starts with a prayer saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. If you have surrendered your heart to God in that capacity, then you don't have to worry about, you know, going off the deep end and doing something that God didn't create you to be. Because I'm telling you what cripples the church sometimes is we have such a fear of going off track or such a fear of doing whatever that the church has not rise. It's doing, it's doing is immature compared to its being. God's created us that, that there is more that you, there is more in your being that you have yet to do. There are more businesses for you to start. There are more people for you to lead. There are more giftings and callings and things for God to accomplish through your life. There's more. And sometimes we let different experiences keep us in a cage. And so this picture right here of being and doing, if the moment you get born again, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, your being is changed in a moment. I've taught this last week. Your being is changed in a moment. Your being is never changed by your doing, but your doing is changed by your being. So your being is changed in a moment. And then what the maturity is the process of growing your doing to be like your being. I mean, it's just real simple stuff. So this picture right here is a picture of a small doing. It's just an immature Christian, a small doing, a big being. You know, once you go and tell your neighbor, you're a big being. You're a big being. And so this is immaturity in Christ. But this is maturity in Christ. When my doing begins to match my being, that's maturity in Christ. That means my faith is working. That means I have fruit that matches the root. 
That means that, that I am actually walking out what Christ has created me to be, that my doing matches my being. I'm made in the image and likeness of him, so my doing looks like him because he, he is in my being. And, and so uh, this is maturity in Christ, and this is what, what it looks like. Um, and so for the rest of the day, I want to talk to you about out of being and doing, I want to talk to you about the, the fourth thing out of the five things that God has blessed you to do. He's blessed you to do, but if he's blessed you to do these five things, he's first blessed you to be it. He's blessed you to be it and therefore do it. But don't try to do it without realizing he's the one that made you to be it. And so we're talking about, we, we've, in the past couple of weeks, we talked about uh, be fruitful. We talked about multiply. And last week we talked about subduing. And this week we're talking all out of Genesis 1, but this week what we're talking about is taking dominion. And that word can, it's weird. You say the word, certain words you say, it gives different reactions to people. You say the word dominion. And some people feel like it's like authoritative and like domineering and, and, and ooh, I just don't get it. But that's not, that's, not, that's not the context. When we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his dominion, we're talking about the dominion of love, the dominion of grace, the dominion of mercy, the authority and power you know, of God. And so as we talk about take dominion, the thing that I, I told you about was that it's his or our leadership submitted to his lordship. Now the word submitted is a cool word. The word submitted means this. The word submitted means to stand under the same mission. That two different people come under the same mission. See, that's what marriage is about. Two individuals become one under the same mission. So the word submission is, I recognize God's mission for me. He made me for a mission. And so I now submit myself to the mission that my maker gave me. And him and I are now in agreement not because he came in agreement with me. Hey, God, I got an idea. That's, that's how dumb happens. <laughs> that's how dumb happens. How many of y'all have ever done that? It's Lord, oh, you have an idea. Well, let me just put pause on my idea, submit myself to your idea. We come into agreement. Now, my leadership is submitted to your lordship. And your dominion begins to flow through my life. It's not me dominating somebody. It's not me taking authority over somebody. It's, Lord, I want to recognize your authority delegated to me, your authority of love, your authority of mercy delegated to me to empower me to begin to lead. I'm going to tell you what our world needs right now. I'm going to tell you what your life and every family represented and every family watching me from home, I'm telling you what everybody needs right now. The world will be a better place if the dominion of Christ was fully released. Amen. He's good. 
and his mercy endures forever. And so we want to walk in the dominion of the Lord. So, so in Psalm 145, um, I just want to show you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 145, verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So it's your kingdom. He says, see, every kingdom is run and, and founded by a king. So notice the king and the, the dominion, the, the, the suffix D-O-M. It's the extension, the, the kingdom or the dominion of the king. The kingdom is the dominion of the king. So, so every reality of the kingdom is first and foremost a reality of the king. So his dominion, it looks like his character. His dominion looks just like him. And if one of these two is not like the other, it's not his dominion. I've polluted it somehow. My leadership have gotten off track and I've polluted it somehow. And the danger is we go to a world around us and we've polluted it to one degree or whatever. And now we don't look exactly like him. It's a distorted image of him. But we're going saying we represent him. Has anybody here been misrepresented before? And so the thing about dominion and taking dominion, it starts with me submitting myself to him fully, completely, not just with one little area of my life that I'm okay with. I'll give you this. I'll submit this, but I'm holding on to this. It's everything. Everything, because your way's better in every area, God. So I'm going to submit to you and have your dominion in my life. So my leadership will be, will be under the dominion of your, of your lordship. And that's what the kingdom of God is. We're, part, we're kingdom people. And the king lives inside of us. So his dominion, the king's dominion, his authority begins to rule and reign in us and rule and reign through us. But you can't have the realm of the kingdom without the king. It's all about the king. Anytime the kingdom becomes about anything, anytime the kingdom of God and people talking about the kingdom of God becomes about anything other than the king, you need to be careful. Because it's, it's all about the dominion of the king and, and what he has for us and for every generation. You know what every generation needs a revelation of? Every generation needs a revelation of the king. Every generation. Because every generation goes through the same cycle, the same stuff. You come up, you, you get big for your britches. You know when you got too big for your britches? Came up, don't tell me what to do. I know better. My parents don't know nothing. Isn't it funny how as you get older, you realize my parents know a little bit more than I thought they knew. And, and then you, you, if you don't live with wisdom, if you don't live with wisdom, you end up living with regret. And you look back at your life and say, I can't believe I thought that. Like, I feel sorry for all the people that came and listened to the sermons that I taught when I first became a pastor. I wish I could like email all of them and say, I apologize. <laughs> you know, and make sure we have your email address so 10 years from now I can, I can send you an email and say, I hope you really weren't listening to anything I was saying back then because now I really understand what I'm talking about. You know, different seasons in life, you look back and think, what was I thinking? 
Oh my goodness, what was going on in my mind and in my heart? And, but so we need wisdom and we need to, to learn and to grow. And that's what he does for generations. And so a scripture that I want you, you know the scripture, but think about this when it comes to dominion, that uh, for sin shall not have dominion over you, over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. This is a powerful scripture. I remember when I first saw the scripture, I would, I would quote the scripture over my life, and I would put me instead of you. I would say sin, and I would say it boldly, passionately. I'd almost say it like, like a rapper, like making up a rap song. I'd, I'd say it powerfully, like sin will not have dominion over me because I'm no longer under the law. I'm under grace. And I would just begin to say that because grace is God's ability given to me. So I now have the ability to obey God. See, before I knew Christ, I didn't have the ability to obey God. I might have had a desire to obey God, but I didn't have the ability because of sin inside of me. And so under the law, it was a constant reminder of what I could not do. But under grace, it should be a constant reminder of what I can do because of Christ in me. So I look at sin and the opportunity to sin, and I'm like, uh-uh, we ain't going out like that. Don't be stepping up and trying to get me involved in that thing. I got something for you. I've got the grace of God inside of me. So that opportunity to sin is now an opportunity to please God and have victory in my life. And so every temptation and opportunity to sin is an opportunity for victory. It's an opportunity for the grace of God to come. So, so personally, personally, the dominion of God helps me walk in obedience and helps me walk in, the, in power over darkness and over sin. And, if, and if, uh, if you just get this out of this one verse out of day and you begin to just, Lord Jesus, I thank you that because and you just make it personal. I mean, you make it personal. Make it unique to you. Sin, and say it with authority. Submit yourself to the authority of Christ, and in his authority, you can declare this word over your life. Sin shall not have dominion over me because I am no longer under the law trying to prove myself. I am under grace in the promise of God. And you just begin to say that, especially when you feel that urge to go do something silly. You start talking back to the things that are trying to invite you into some stuff. You talk back to it. So that's personal dominion. That's, that's where I'm under the, the dominion of the Lord. And this next thing I want you to see in Matthew 16, you know in Matthew 16, I, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but you know Jesus came to his disciples and they're talking, having conversation. He says, hey, who does, who does uh, Pookie and them, the people you run with, who does all the people you run with, who do they say that I am? And then he asked another question. Who am I to you? Great questions. I don't have time to teach on the whole thing. Great questions. And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Meaning the spirit of my father just spoke that to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You didn't get that from the opinion of somebody else. You got that as a word from the Lord. And then because you were able to receive that, this is what, what he said to them. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So notice, notice, uh, Jesus is responsible. He's the king of the kingdom, and he's the head of the church all at the same time. And he is building the church. He's building the church. Who's building the church? Jesus. 
We are a part of what he is building. And the church is never the building. I thank God for this building. And I thank God that pretty soon, in Jesus' name, this building is going to be debt free. Somehow, some way, this building is going to be debt free. I thank God for the building. But this building is not the church. The church is never the building. The church is the people that Jesus is building. And he says, I will build my church. Is the Lord building you? So I will build my church. I will build my church. But then, the, so the church is the people that Jesus is building. He says, I will build my church. But then notice what he says to Peter, and I will give you. And he's, in reference, he's talking to you, the people that I'm building, you, my church. See, the church is built upon the revelation of who Jesus is and who people are in him. That's what the, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I can build on that. I want you to get that. When you get a revelation of not just going to church, oh, mama took me to church. I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to be Christian. I'm supposed to cuss a little less and, and do this. You know, when you get a revelation of, whew, you're the Christ. You're the king of kings. You're the head of the church. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus can say, you get a revelation, a true, accurate revelation of who I am, then I can build upon that. I can build upon that. And what he says is, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He's giving you dominion. He's giving you authority. And man, that's a whole nother, we do a whole weekend thing about keys of the kingdom. But what he's saying is, I'm giving you, as I'm building you, I'm the church, I'm giving you, the church, my dominion. I'm delegating my dominion to the people that I'm building for you to begin to operate as a representative of me. And whatever you bind, whatever you permit, or or whatever you forbid, or whatever you loose, done according to my will. I'm giving you delegated authority. You know how awesome that is? Imagine if you went to work and the boss came and gave you keys and a credit card and a corner office and said, I'm now giving you the keys of this business and the credit card of this business. It's still in art, the business name, but you are now an active operating uh, a person of authority who can operate this business in, in our father's name. Here's the keys and here's the credit card. I'm telling you, he's given you authority. There's not, I mean, it's amazing to be a part of the church that Jesus is building. And people, especially in these days, everyone's like, well, Republican and Democrat and all that stuff is fine. Political office, whatever, all that's fine. But to be a part of the greatest party that has ever existed, the greatest group, we are higher than them. We are greater than them. We are of a kingdom and a government that there is no end. And I thank God for politicians. I thank God people should be discipled and sent up to be into politics. But we always must recognize that the office that we hold, not just as pastors, but even as the people of God, that we are, we are higher than this. We are not, this is not our home. This world is not our home. And we are of a government and a kingdom that there is no end. And we represent a place where there is no racism. We represent a place and a person where there is no greed, where there is no selfishness, where there is no injustice. That's who we represent. We don't represent right or left. 
Those things are fine. Have your preference. We represent him first. We're the church. We're the church. We're the church of the living God as the people of God. We have been brought out of being nothing into being something. We are the church of the living God. What a great privilege to be a part of that. What a great opportunity. What a, what a great responsibility. And if we're going to be a part of the church, we need to be fruitful. We need to multiply. It ain't just about us. No, the Lord just came to save me. Listen, honey, the Lord didn't come just to save you. He came to save you because he was pre-calculating how he could use your life to save everybody around you. But if it just stops with you, listen, you'll make the same mistake the Jews made. Jews ended up thinking, well, we're the people of God. That's true. God chose them. We're the people of God. But what they failed to realize was God chose one nation to reach every nation. And what happened is, and I know this never happens in church today. I know it never happens in church today. It never happens to you. But people who get delivered out of darkness and God cleans them up and redeems them. I'm saved. They start changing the way they look at the world. Look at them, disgusting, ungodly people that are not like me. Oh, God, I get it now. I understand. You, you, I, God, I understand. You don't really love them. Why would you love them? But what you forget is that's not the heart of God, and you was one of them yourself. God reached you to reach other people. And if you start getting this mentality as the church, if you start getting this mentality as the church, thinking you're better than somebody else. You may be better off. You're better off with Jesus than without Jesus, but you're not better than anybody else. And so when you're looking at, oh my gosh, they cuss. Or they, well, what else are they supposed to do? They don't know Jesus. The conversation should be the people who say they know Jesus and keep cussing. Those are the ones we got to disciple. Those are the ones we got to say, why are you doing that? That ain't like your king. And, and sometimes they may be, well, they just don't know him well enough. And so what we don't need to do is give them a bunch of rules. We need to give them a revelation of who he is. Because if they get a revelation of who he is, they're like, whoa. Whoa. And, and then wait a minute. The second part of that revelation, this is who he is. And he lives inside of me. So this is therefore who I am. Well, then cussing don't make any sense. Getting drunk don't make any sense. Lying, stealing, cheating, that just doesn't make, it just doesn't, add. why would I want that when I got this? I'm part of the church. I'm part of the church of the living God. And let's not get limited to, thank God for the local churches that we have, but let's not get limited. Well, I'm part of Faith Center. Because then pride kick, kicks in. I'm part of, and you start thinking you're better than other churches. I'm telling you, there's five or six churches I'd love to join other than this one. I'm not saying they'd accept me. I'm just saying I'd like to join them. <laughs> and that's why I think it's good to go to other churches and get past our little pet preferences. You don't have to change. Look, when I say let's go to another church and go serve and, and be a part and just be a part of a, a broader community in a church that may be a little different than ours, but yet has the same heart and stuff. I'm not saying change churches. I've had people say, Pastor, what happens if we do something with another church and people leave 
And that happens all the time. I've had other pastors and people come into this church to do combined things together. And then people hear that pastor or that worship team, whatever, and they leave the church and go to another. And you know what happens? Sarah and I have these conversations. You know what we do? Um, We're like, praise the Lord. If they weren't supposed to be here, I want them where they're supposed to be. You're not my people. You're his people. And here's the deal. (laughs) If we just come at it like this, like I believe he sent me here. If you believe he sent you here, then we're both here because of him, not because of each other. And then we will have to stand before him on how I did while I was here. And you have to stand before him how you did while you was here. Oh, goodness. Now, I'm stopping and laughing because, like, it's, it's, if I could ever get, like, a, a wire from my head. No, we don't ever need this to happen. And, like, be able to get it to the screen. Because, like, three other sermons just, just whoosh, in my head. None of them is probably wise, but they're funny. <laughs> um, so... You know, the main thing I really want to get you to get hold of today is in his divine dominion, you are part of the church. You're part of the church. I want to show you a a couple scriptures, I think. How do I want to do this? I want to show you a couple scriptures. Um, Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. I got it right here. It says, for to the intent that now. See, Paul's talking about the wisdom of God. He's talking about the wisdom of God. And he says, to the intent that now. Everybody say now. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, some of y'all, if you're, if you're new to the word of God, well, who, okay, you just told me who the church is. The church is the people. So by the church, the church is the vehicle that's, that's releasing the wisdom of God. So I get that, that by the church or through the church, I get that. You just told me who the church is, but what's this principalities and powers and things? Let me just say in a word that you won't forget, demons. Do what, Pastor John? Yeah, powers of darkness in the invisible realm that exist. And so there's a whole false government, dark government, a dominion of darkness that we've been delivered out of, and they're not happy that we're no longer in it. And so it's through the church. The wisdom of God is, the wisdom of God is, I'm not just going to redeem you but I'm going to use you to defeat them. Them not being people, them being that which is dominating people. And so he takes you out of the sin and shame that you are a prisoner in, empowers you, makes you part of the church, gives you his divine dominion, helps you to increase in all the things of God so that you are now living like him. You look like him, you act like him, and your doing is matching your being. And he now delegates himself to you and through you, multiplies himself in you and through you, to now surround the enemy and whoop them and save more people out of darkness. 
And so the church has the privilege of making known to the powers of darkness that are trying to dominate people. The church, the church is raised up, given the keys of the kingdom that the gates of hell will not prevail because we are on the offensive and we're on the offensive never attacking people. We never attack people. People are never our problem. Yeah, but did you hear what they said? Man, if you were in the spiritual bondage that they were in, you'd say even worse. See, we judge people from from a self-perspective. We judge them as if they were us, but they're not us. They're them. And if you were to walk in their shoes and the abuse they went through and the, the spiritual powers of darkness that are over them, you wouldn't be so judgy. So we never attack people. We attack the things that are attacking the people. Amen. The church, the church is to make known, to make known to the principalities and powers and rulers through prayer and intercession and out of a life of obedience, we're to make known the wisdom of God through our life to, you know, to the powers of darkness. And, and you know, people talk about Job. They talk about Job and they'll say things like, oh man, Job, man, he just went through all kinds of stuff. And why did God, why did God allow all that bad stuff to happen to Job? Anybody have a Job season in your life in the Bible where just everything started falling apart all at the same time? Let me just give you a little hint about Job. Some people say, yep, God, God had to do this stuff to Job to teach Job a lesson. God wasn't trying to teach Job a lesson about stuff. He wasn't trying to use difficulty. I mean, Job learned something and Job grew and all that stuff. But here's what was happening. This verse is what was happening. God was trying to use Job to teach the devil a lesson. Why are you going through the battle you're going through? Why are you going through the struggle that you're going through? Well, maybe if you do sin, if you sin, sin can open the door to future consequences. No question. That God has nothing to do with, you're doing it. A man, whatever a man sows, that is what he shall reap. So sometimes things are happening in your life because you're walking in disobedience and opening a door to the enemy. And that's, that's possible. But if you're walking with the Lord, and I'm not talking about perfection, but you're walking in the direction with the Lord, and man, everything's, and it comes one after another. It's not, it's not just this, it's this, then this, then this, then this. That's a demonic attack. One or two things can just happen, but if it's this, 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 all at the same time, and it has a message with it, you're a loser. You're going down. You're not worth anything. All the things you thought God promised you are a lie. If there's a personal message in it, attacking the promises of God in your life and who he's made you to be, then that's a messenger from Satan. Why am I in this? I'll tell you why you're in this. You're in this so that God can use your life and your life of faith to teach the devil a lesson. That when you come after my people and you think you can destroy them, you think you can defeat them, you think you can take them out, they recognize the people that I'm building, the people I'm building, they recognize this life is not their home. They recognize that what happens in this temporary setting is not, is not the end of it. They recognize recognize that you can you can do everything you want to do you can even crucify me on a cross but there's a resurrected one who's going to come out and get victory and that you God you can use my life 
to teach the enemy a lesson. Because I'm not going to stop praising you. I'm not going to stop trusting you. I'm not going to stop obeying you. I'm not going to get selfish. I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to walk in defeat. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in anxiety. I'm not going to walk in worry. I'm not going to look at the world around me that's falling apart and say, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to say he's the head. He's the king. He is Lord. And under his lordship will be my leadership. And he is building me as a person called the church. He's building me to build others. He's reached me to reach others. He sent me to send others. And so I'm going to trust. I'm going to say, God, I want to stay as close to you and as obedient to you as I can, because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But those who put their eyes on the king, uh, the, the only thing that cannot be shaken will be the kingdom, which is the king. And so if I want to be centered on that which cannot be shaken, I'm going to have my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to trust Jesus. Here's the cool thing, y'all. And worship team, go ahead and come on up. Here's the cool thing. You know how valuable and important you are? And why every time you come, not just here, but every day of your life, how you, how you, your attitude to how you approach the Bible is so important. Because your, 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 your attitude to the Bible should be something similar to my attitude to a box of 12-pack nuggets at Chick-fil-A. I'm getting it. I need this. Because as you begin to grow in the Word of God, He's building you. He's building you. Through every trial, through every struggle, He's building you. Through every attack, He's building you. And you want to be positioned that he can build you. Don't be hard to build. You ever meet people that are hard to build? Don't be hard to build upon. Lord, build me. Because as he's, as he's building you, you have the privilege of being the church. And when you have the privilege of being the church, you have the privilege of your leadership. Well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You might be a leader in a, in a small number of people, but you're a leader. You influence people. And if you want that leadership to grow, then, then you need to understand, Lord, you're building me to be a leader under your lordship. Under your lordship. So I want to keep my eyes on you. I want to I focus on you. And you know what discipleship is? Discipleship, discipleship is, is actually maturing in the dominion of the Lord. As you are, as you say, Lord, I need to be disciple. And here, look, don't everybody come to me. Pastor John, who, look, this ain't, this ain't de-harmony, discipleship harmony. You can't come to me. It, it, some, it, it, don't misunderstand me. It, we can help you sometimes, but it's not everyone. Well, I need to call Pastor John to figure out who I'm supposed to be discipled by. Here, I have a better idea. I have a better idea. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? Someone in this room who says, I need to be discipled. I recognize in my life, uh, you say, what's a disciple? Uh, somebody who is a mentor uh, that, that, that knows the Lord more than I do and can teach me how to know the Lord better. And so somebody who knows the word and I respect their lifestyle and they're a little bit further along the journey than me. They're not better than me. They're just further along the journey than me. And they can be in a loving, accountable relationship. So if everybody in this room did this this week, I'm telling you, the city would begin to change. 
If everyone began to pray, Lord, I need, I need someone to disciple me. I need, I need to find somebody for whatever reason or whatever season. I need someone to hold me accountable and be in the word together. I need someone. I need someone other than my spouse. It's good to, be, to do stuff with your spouse. That's important and powerful, but I need somebody other than my spouse who's a little bit further along than me. So, Father, I'm praying, would you please show me somebody? And then you look. You look. And when you see a life, hey... That person's saying that. You go and you ask them, hey, my name's so-and-so, or if you're in a relationship with them already, that would probably help. But going and say, would you consider, would you pray about and consider discipling me? Don't, don't go up to them and say, God spoke to me and you're supposed to disciple me. That's like being a creeper and walking up to somebody. I mean, just, I've seen guys do this. I've seen people do this. I've seen guys walk up to girls and be like, God told me you're, you're my wife. I would be like, God just told me you're a creeper and I'm getting out of here. Okay? So don't walk up and be like, God told me. Just walk up and say, hey, would you consider, would you pray about possibly discipling me? And then those in the room who you're like, you know what? I can disciple somebody. I can disciple somebody. And why don't you pray, Lord, who should I, who should I disciple? And somebody will pop out to you. Hey, listen, the Lord laid you on my heart. Would you pray about um, I don't know if you're if you if it's if you're at a uh, season in your life where this would be important to you, but if you would like to spend some time and get in the Word together, um, pray about it and let me know. We can do it over a cup of coffee, whatever. And if everybody in this room did that, the city would begin to change. The city would begin to change because we are the people that He is building. He builds the church, and the church builds the kingdom. He builds the church, and the church builds the kingdom. We are sons of God. Believers, we are sons of God. When you, choose, when you make a decision to give your life to Jesus, you become a son of God, part of the family of God. Then when you begin to make a, a second decision, which is a commitment to say, I'm going to begin to apply and obey the word of God in my life. And I'm going I'm to be discipled. You become a disciple of Christ. And a disciple of Christ is someone who adds commitment to their belief. They add discipline to their belief. They're not just coming to church. Yeah, I believe God. I believe the word. But my life hasn't changed one bit. My Sunday has, but my life hasn't. It's coming to say, I'm going to start putting his word first in my life. I'm going to hear, understand, and obey the Lord and let the Lord build me as a pillar in the church. And then you get to the point where you're, where you're, and it doesn't have to be some long thing. You, you, you become an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador of Christ is a disciple maker. You make other disciples who make other disciples. So everybody in this room needs to have three people. You need to have uh, uh, someone who's above you in a sense, someone who's further down the road, like, like a Paul. Someone who, who's, who you can lead. And then you need somebody along with you. In the, in the Bible terms, it would be a Barnabas. Somebody who's with you. A brother who can walk with you. Or sister. And you need somebody who you're father along then. So if you're one day in Jesus and you've come to believe in Jesus, you can lead somebody to Jesus. Wherever you are, you can lead them to where you are. 
And see, that's, that's the thing. That's the privilege, y'all. That's the privilege. I'm going to talk more about it next week, but that's the privilege of being part of the church, of not just coming to sit in church and, and being entertained by all the stuff happening around you, but being the church and being thrilled by all the stuff happening within you. Of God, you're using my life. You're taking the, the nonsense of what everything was and you're working it and shaping it as I give it to you and you're healing it and you're restoring it and you're repurposing it and you're making it new so that my life, you're building me as the church so, I can, so you can build the kingdom through me and you're using my life to transform people. You know what's one of the coolest things as a pastor from this view? Y'all have a different view than me. But when I look this way, you know what I, I, I sometimes think? And, and, and sometimes I black out and just keep talking. That happens when I'm up here. But I, I sometimes think this. I look not just at the, at the individuals that I, that I know and see, but I look at the people that are here because of the people that were here. I look at the ones that have, have come and God did something in their life and then somebody sitting next to them is here because of what, of what they did in that person's life. And there's some of you that are three or four deep. And as a pastor, I sit here and think, wow, because you ain't here for my sermon because that's overrated. We all know that. You're here because of the life of the person sitting next to you. Because God is using you. He's building you to be the most honorable thing you could be in this life. And it's not a Republican and it's not a Democrat. It's a Christian. The church of the living God. Ambassadors of heaven. We represent the king. In everything that we do, we represent the king. And just in case there's some of you that are here this morning, and you've never, you've never heard clearly the opportunity or the invitation to say, you can come give your life to the king. Man, I remember the day. I remember sitting in that pastor's office when he told me that Jesus died on the cross for me. And my life was just changed. I began to think, why would he do that? And he just talked to me about the cross of Jesus and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And I remember saying, I, I remember thinking, I want that. And he said, well, I'll lead you in a prayer because the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, meaning through prayer, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And I was like, I want to do that. So he led me in a prayer and I gave my life to Jesus because I believe he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb and raised uh, to, be, to, be, to live forevermore. And that he did that for me. That the cross is a place of exchange. And I remember praying that prayer and my life just being changed. And then I remember a little bit later on of people coming to me and confronting me with, are you going to walk with Jesus or not? See, because a decision to be saved is a decision to be a disciple. A decision to be saved is a decision to be an ambassador. Just like, for simple terms, a decision to get married is a decision to be a grandfather for a man. It doesn't all happen at once. But you're committing to a process of reproduction. 
So maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, and you just know you're at the end. You know God's already been talking to you and you're at the end. And you know today is a day where you hear this invitation so clear and you know I'm talking to you. You know the Lord is talking to you. And today is a day that you make a decision to follow Jesus. Here's how that decision shall be made today. Is we're going to sing a song. And as we sing a song in just a second, you're going to come and you're going to walk right up in front of everybody. You're going to stand right here. In front of everybody, yes, yes. Why, why? Because it's going to crucify your flesh. It's just going to crucify it. And you're going to come present yourself before God to make a decision to follow him. And then we'll lead you in prayer. And then for others here who maybe you already are Christians, but you've not made the commitment to be a disciple. Or maybe, maybe you've walked with the Lord for a while and you're walking with him, but you've not made the decision to be a disciple maker. Then as we have during the worship time, there'll be a prayer team standing up here and you can come to the altar by yourself. You can come receive prayer for any reason, for any reason, but for, for rededicating your life, you can come and you can receive. And if any of you have a word or something for somebody in this house, then during the worship time, you just go up to them and just begin to share that word with them, pray with them. And if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, hey, I feel like I have a word for you, let them pray for you. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can I have your number? You say, no. That's not Jesus. <laughs> Church family, I want you to stand to your feet as we begin to enter a time of worship. And after we sing this song, altar team, I want you guys to come up to present yourself after we sing this song. The first people to come as we sing is those who are ready today. You know the Lord is calling you to surrender your life to Jesus. So church family, let's sing.